Blog Talk Radio. Toddlers 
and infants to teens, teenagers, and young adults. They struggle with properly regaining their self-control when things happen. And the ability to have control of themselves in a variety of situations, such as home, school, and in the community, like I said, it's imperative, it's necessary, it's definitely something that needs to happen. Um, Sometimes it's necessary for us to take control out of the hands or situation and to control our children's environment um, when it's within our our control. We can't control everything. You know, we aren't with our children 24-7. Unfortunately, they do go to daycare. They do go to grandma's house. They do go to, you know, um, you know, someone else's house or someone else's um, care or preschool or, you know, elementary school, high school. They're going to games and activities and going to church and um, the church nursery and different things like that, different areas where we are not and we have no control over those environments. When something happens in those environments that make our children upset or frustrated or angry or sad, we need to know that they can self-soothe. They can have self-control enough to not to be violent or aggressive or yelling or, you know, hurting them, themselves or anyone else. So it's just very important that we realize that when our children's emotions um, are stirred up, they're able to control themselves in the environment. You know, many, many times we just will not have control of what is happening and what is going around, um, going on around our children. So we can't predict an outcome to something or we can't even predict how someone else is going to react to them. Our children will just need to be um, able to exercise self-control and show that they have some kind of control over themselves um, and be able to basically quite plainly, regulate their emotions, which um, it really means just being able to control themselves when they are experiencing those negative emotions. You know, even happy emotions, you know, hyper kids, they need to have self-control. Okay, you're hyper, we understand that, but you can't, that don't mean you can jump off the walls or stand on somebody's table or somebody's couch. You still have to exercise some form of self-control. And it's just important that our children understand that. And when they're in our in our presence, you know, we hope that our presence will, you know, initiate for them to be able to uh, remember, like, oh, okay, I need to do this. I don't want to get in trouble. And they can realize that when they see our presence. But sometimes, even in our presence, our children still don't exercise self-control. So it's just very important for us to show them that and that they develop that um, because we want them to be sensible and tolerant and productive human beings when they get older. So, you know, it seems like kids nowadays, they just due to all of the immediate um, reinforcement that they receive through phones and video games and any kind of technology, they just don't have as much self-control as we would desire or we would have hoped. You know, we would hope that they're able to wait and tolerate change and tolerate disappointments and tolerate stress and difficult situations well, but they really do not. They lack self-control. And it's usually just displayed through having temper tantrums, being disrespectful, saying any old thing to people, retaliating to, against people. 
um, being mischievous and getting into things, and the list goes on. So, again, the point of self-control is so that they can regulate their emotions, regulate their thoughts and their behaviors, think through the things before they do them. We want them to stop, and we want them to think. And think of all of their choices and think of the consequences of those choices. And then we want them to go on and proceed to do the best choice for them at that time in that situation. So one thing that I saw in my little research preparing for today's topic is I don't know how many of you watch 2020 or um, like PBS specials, um, but they had what's called a marshmallow test. So this may be familiar to you. It was basically an experiment done by Stanford University. And um, up to Stanford University, my nephew goes there right now. Very proud of him. Um, and But this was way before he went there. So this happened back in, I want to say, like the 70s or the late, or the late 70s or early 80s or something like that. They had children sit in a room, there was a marshmallow on a plate, and the children were told that they were going to be left in the room alone for a short while, and if they were able to wait until the person returned in the room, then the person would give them another marshmallow so that they would have two marshmallows. But if that person returned and they ate the marshmallow, they would only be, they won't get any marshmallow other than the one that they ate. So, the incentive was just that you'd get an extra marshmallow. So not only would you get one marshmallow, you would get two. And what they found is that when children went ahead and waited and delayed their gratification for them to get that second marshmallow, and they waited for that person to return, that they ended up as adults because the experiment kind of followed these kids along um, the years into their adulthood. As adults, they became um, productive, confident, self-reliant individuals, and they scored higher in um, academic tests and assessments, so such as SAT. And they found that the individuals who did not wait and tended to eat the marshmallow as soon as they were left alone ended up having more difficulty bouncing back and being resilient, more difficulty um, being uh, independent. They weren't as confident, had low self-esteem. Just pretty drastic um, results from that experiment. So, um, however, I did read other articles that said that's not necessarily true. You know, maybe the people who were able to wait to eat the marshmallow actually did do, you know, great things, but so did some of the ones that went ahead and ate the marshmallow because they learned that they had to wait as life taught them. Um, And I also read that as well, you know, just the fact that Real life is the be- is the best teacher in these kind of situations when it comes to self control. You know, it's just like when we tell children, you know, don't touch that the hot stove or you know, wait to drink your hot chocolate until it cools down or something, and they just can't wait and they just got to do it anyways, and they go ahead and do it because of a lack of self control, and they learn the hard way that ouch, you know, I got burned and 
I think sometimes there are real-life situations where you have to allow your child to go through situations like that. You cannot be rescuing them all the time because they won't learn anything from that, and it doesn't benefit them in any way in the long term. So after reading so many different articles and different things about teaching our children how to have self-control, it just kind of seemed like let's narrow this down to just, you know, about seven or eight different things um, to help children learn self-control and to help parents, you know, us as parents kind of learn how to teach our children self-control. I'm still learning on my own how to teach my children self-control. You know, sometimes it's just you learn as you go, which I call teachable moments. I love those those real-life situations. They, they sometimes are the most memorable and they get the most, Give, give you the most out of it. Um, another thing that I noticed in my research is it was uh, one of the articles was talking about the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that kind of helps you kind of process um, and think things through and be able to wait. So those things, uh, the prefrontal cortex is actually immature, underdeveloped as a toddler and preschooler, it's not even barely put together yet. So it doesn't fully develop until age 25. So the decisions that our children are making, those hasty decisions where they're not thinking things through, it actually goes with the brain development. So knowing that, we have to take that into consideration of even more reason why we need to teach them self-control. And when you teach self-control, it's an ongoing thing, like it doesn't stop, you know. They're going to learn it through real-life situations, which is very memorable, but we also need to teach them through conversation, through modeling, through other things. So that brings me to starting to let you know the different ways. I have at least seven or eight ways that we're going to look at it. The first way is modeling. So you want to model for your children how you respond to different stressful situations. How do you respond to different How do you respond? when things don't go your way. You know, one thing I always say is you can only control yourself. So modeling is a good way for you to get help your children control themselves because you're showing that, you know, I'm not there with my child all the time. I can't direct them or hand over hand with them all the time. However, I can show them through my actions that I can show self-control, that I can get myself together, that, yes, I'm upset, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to exercise or I'm going to journal I'm going to take a nap or I'm going to drink some water or I'm going to talk it out with someone or I'm going to do something else and deal with it later. They need to see that we have willpower and that we have self-control. I mean, it, could, it doesn't even have to be as intense as stress or negative situations. It could just be dessert. You know, maybe your children know that you're working on your weight and you're working on um, eating healthier. And then you go to a restaurant and the waitress or waiter asks you, do you want more dessert? And you say, you know what, I do not. Maybe the kids, do you, do you guys want dessert? Are you, you know, feeling like you have enough room for dessert? You can model that. I, I am still able to accomplish my goals because I'm using self-control. And when you do that, 
they model, they follow after you, and they will mimic what you do. I actually had a talk today with a very close friend, one of my best friends today, and she was just telling me, it's funny, we were talking about grocery shopping, and we were talking about, like, what do we, you know, want to cook today for for um, our kids and how our our grocery list looks different than it did maybe a few years ago. And, you know, she brought up a good point that her kids are starting to, like, dip into some of her food that she's bought, her healthy food that she's bought for herself. And one thing that I noticed when we were talking is I told her, I said, you know what, the reason why they probably are doing those things because they see that you've met your goal. You've met your um, – you, you're working on – eating healthier, and they see that, and I think they are modeling after you. They're kind of taking after you and doing what you're doing. So you can um, model healthy habits, and um, indirectly your children can mimic you and actually repeat positive habits that you have. So I don't think it's a negative thing all the time, um, you know, that our kids are getting into stuff that we're into because I do think that in that particular situation, it's a good thing. You know, they've developed healthy habits, and it's all, you know, thanks to their mother. So I think she's doing a wonderful job, and um, I just commend her for that. And I hope other parents think of that as well with other things that they need to work on. And number two, having your children wait. So it's very important to teach our children you have to wait. Again, like I said, the crying infant, running to a a child's beck and call, you're cooking dinner or doing something or you're working in your home office or you're doing something um, important, you know, and your child being like, come here right now, I need you right now, they're calling you, you know, I believe it's okay for you to say, wait a minute. I tell my kids, wait a minute in, or in a minute. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't hesitate in doing that because I want them to know that I can, I'm not going to drop everything for you at that very moment. I will come, but I will not drop everything. The important key factor to having kids wait is that you actually follow through because it goes back to basic needs. If an infant is crying, and this is what I kind of saw in one of the I, – I watched um, a kind of a YouTube video of um, recalling a 2020 special. And it was just saying, you know, how, you know, if an infant is crying and um, the parent does not respond and does not come to, to soothe the infant, the infant has – actually does – learn a, a couple things. One, they could learn to self-soothe and be like, okay, I'm going to play my fingers and toes until mom comes. They could, you know, just swirl into a panic and continue to cry and tantrum. Or they could end up just totally being shut off and, and, and stop crying, not because they've been soothed or they no longer have that need, but out of frustration or disappointment or feeling abandoned and just feeling like, you know, rejected that, you know, I'm crying and nothing's happening, so I'm not going to cry anymore. And oftentimes you see that with abused children or neglected children. So waiting is very important to have the children to wait, but we need to follow through. If you said you're going to come or do something, you know, after I finish, you know, doing my work or after I finish cooking or after I finish 
you know, doing the laundry or something like that, actually do it because it teaches the kids to follow through. It teaches them that they'll be okay when they wait, and it teaches them that they can trust you. And if they trust you, it creates a um, stronger foundation in them as well as they become of you know, older, they learn to, you know, believe what you say. So you have to consider the child's age and how much time you're giving in between the wait time. But I do think that that's just a natural way to teach them self-control. Number three, teach your kids different ways to show self-control. So that can be done through practice, practicing by playing games with them, like a board game um, where you have to take turns. Or Simon Says, that's kind of a fun game. Or if I don't know how many of you remember Mother May I. I love Mother May I. That was fun. So you say, like, Mother May I take five steps? And the mother says yes or no. And then you go to five steps. And it has to be within reason. If the mother doesn't want you to go ten steps, then she'll say no. And you just got to wait till your, your turn again and ask to move again. And, you know, this, these are fun things to do that help to teach self-control, but not only teach, but practice. Also, I don't know if you know about lazy apes or shape breathing, but you take long, deep breaths. You have a, a lazy ape, which is just basically an ape that's laying on its side. You start in the middle, and you just go through the motion of drawing the eight with your finger. And you could do it on paper. They can do it in midair. You can do it together. You can do it, you know, on your lap. Anything like that, teaching deep breathing. And as they go up with their finger, they're breathing in and going down, they're breathing out and up and out. And that's a different um, technique to learn, to teach kids how to take deep, slow breaths. So it's nothing fast because when it's fast, that means they're, you know, it can rev you up and get you more panicking and then you're running into anxiety and all of that. Counting, counting. Um, often, you know, you hear the term of counting to 10, but you can count to 100. You can count by 10s. You can count by 5s. You can count by 2s. Anything you need to do to calm yourself down or to soothe yourself or to get through a moment. So counting is another good practice to do with your kids. And you can even teach them to do that um, while they're waiting. So number four, let kids learn naturally. As we said, it could be, you know, through watching them, you know, learn that, hey, you know, you keep doing that, you're going to, you know, you keep pop, you keep um, hitting that balloon, it's going to pop, the balloon pops, you know, saying no to them, you know, that it's, it's appropriate to say no to your children, you can't say yes all the time, and they have to learn to accept no, not only just from you, but from other people, whether it be their peers, or it be their teacher, or it be somewhere else, somewhere else. So it teaches some good and bad consequences to the behavior. You can wait. You can wait, and you can you're you you are okay if someone tells you no. So and even like waiting in line at the store, or maybe you buy something for them at the store, and you say when we get in the car you can wait, or when we get home you can have this. It teaches them that it's okay, and I think that's something they need to really feel. Um, more more um, comfortable with having self-control is I can control myself because I can wait. Number five, teaching the kids to distract themselves. So do something else while you're waiting. It, it really helps. They can exercise. They can go read a book. They can go draw. Um, you know, it does kind of go with the practice of they can count. Um, 
they can um, maybe talk to somebody about about something, but distract themselves and do something else until it is time for them to do something. Um, even like for ourselves, you know, for teenagers, you know, and for ourselves as adults, we have to wait. You know, we have to distract ourselves. Yeah, we want that, you know, brand new car, but meanwhile, we have to go to work. We have to, you know, keep ourselves healthy. We got to do, we have other things to do in order to get to that point. And that takes me to one of the other, um, number six, which is giving your children responsibilities. So first you need to do this, then you can do this. And then there needs to be follow-through. And I just believe that goes with just learning how to have self-control ourselves. Again, that goes to modeling. You know, just like just like I said, you know, you're able to, oh, I want to um, uh, go on a, a vacation that costs $3,000. Well, first you got to go to work. You, then you have to save. And then you can go to that trip, you know. So there's a, there are, is a uh, process, there's, a, there's steps to get to their goals, and they need to see that not only from modeling but having responsibilities to know that I need to do this if I want to do that. You know, just like they need to understand there's a career. If you want to be able to um, have a career or a lot of, like I said, general generation um Z, they want to be able to um, work for themselves, then you're going to have to take on the responsibilities that require you to be able to get to that point where you can work for yourself. You need to be educated. You need to make sure that you're saving money. You need to put money into things. You need to balance yourself. You need to not splurge. You need to take care of yourself and, and live a healthy um, lifestyle, talk to people who's doing what you want to do. Like there's things you have to do in order to get to where you want to be, and they need to learn that. And then number seven, set limits. So we have to set limits because you can't be that parent that lets them do whatever they want to do because they they will never learn self-control in that manner because there's just it's too much freedom and there's just too many choices out there. And a lot of times, They'll, they'll surpass whatever goal that they have, and not in a positive way all the time. Sometimes it will be, um, you know, in a way that will um, put them in the wrong direction, in a negative direction. So it's limits are a positive thing. And it's not like the sky, it's not like we're saying the sky isn't the limit. The limit is the ceiling. We're saying that, you know, you have, there are rules and expectations. You just can't go and get money out of someone else's bank account. You can't just go and take some and push someone out their own car and get in their car and drive it because you like that car. You Like there are limits there. And um, those are extreme, but I'm just saying if you teach children as they're younger, then they won't take that ball from that other person's hand or they won't push that other person off the slide because they want to go and the other person is in front of them, like, you know, and they won't cut in front of line. It's okay. Let that person do them. You do what you need to do. There are limits. You can't have what that person has. You can't cut in front of people. You can't push people. You can't tell people off because they're telling you to do something you don't want to do. You do have to do X, Y, Z. These are the expectations. And it helps them to 
follow rules. It helps them to learn expectations, and they have understanding of consequences if we set limits. But it has to be consistent. You can't say today, oh, you do this, and then tomorrow it's something else because that's inconsistent, and they won't. Children just, they want structure. They want structure. They want limits. They want that. Even teenagers, they rebel against it, but they gladly return back to what is consistent and routine because it's very important for the development of children. So with that being said, I'm just so glad that I'm able to share these things with you. And I want to continue to explore teaching our children self-control. I think it's very important, um, especially as they become young adults. As I said, this generation, they struggle with that because everything's so immediate. Um, the microwave, you know, the, the everything's microwave society. It's, you know, even like um, if you notice, you know, when they put, click on an app, you know, they get frustrated. Hey, it's not clicking fast enough to click it on a different app. So things just go so fast, and we just have to sometimes slow down. And a way to do that is to do these things. So as a... um reminder of the different ways you can show self-control or teach self-control to your children or teach them how to exercise their own self-control and can regain control themselves is, one, to model for them, two, to let them wait sometimes, three, teach them by practicing different techniques, four, letting them learn naturally and natural consequences, five, teaching them to distract themselves, six, giving them responsibilities first and then consequences, and then six, setting limits and being consistent with those limits. So, again, you know, we were talking about self-control today. It's actually in the Bible. They talk about self-control, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. I just hope that you are able to exercise this and be the best parent you can be one positive step at a time. Peace. Mm -hmm.